0: Here at Doxadeer Blum, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, hello and welcome and thank you for joining us today as we dive into the book of Hebrews. We are in our second week in our Bible study. And as we kick off, I'd like to open up with a, a story, <laughs> a story of when I was in primary school. <laughs> So when I was in primary school, we played this this, this game we called Kissing Catches. Right? <laughs> so we played this game called Kissing Catches. And the objective of the game is to, to chase after someone and then kiss them on the face, wherever it may be, and there are it. And now I was being chased by the prettiest girl in my class. Now I'm probably, you're probably thinking like, this is the moment. This is, this is the moment, buddy. This is where you like fake a cramp, you know, maybe stumble over yourself and fall or just slow down, let her catch you. That's not at all what happened, right? What is this, what is this kid thinking? I started running faster and faster and faster. And the closer she got, the more creative I got about avoiding her. So I'd start dodging and ducking and trying to avoid her in every kind of way until the moment she tackled me onto the ground and gave me a kiss on the cheek right? What was I thinking, right? The prettiest girl in class chasing after me to give me a kiss. So why am I sharing this story with you? Well, because much like me in primary school, when I was running from this good thing, humanity has this deep rooted urge to run, to to run away from God. But luckily God has this, this desire to relentlessly pursue after us. And this is what the Hebrew writer touches on. The Hebrew writer talks to a group of people who are being afflicted and going through a tough time because of their association with Christ. And much like the Hebrew people from back in the day, we too are the same. We've gone through tough times, we're going through hardships. And when we do this, we run. We have a tendency to run, we, we face difficulty and we easily, it's, we easily lose focus on our faith. We start to doubt ourselves, we start to doubt those around us, and we start to doubt God. And we start to run in so many places. And that's exactly, that's exactly what the Hebrews must have gone through. They're facing persecution tougher than we do for their affiliation with Christ. And that's what we're going to kick off to today. So how does the Hebrew writer address this? While there's a Greek word that the Hebrew writer uses that threads throughout the whole book of Hebrews, and it's this word pathos. This word pathos is the root word for so many English words that we use. Well, not too many, just these few, the word sympathy, apathy, and empathy. But the, but the word means passion, a feeling or emotion or affection that evokes us to do something, an ungovernable desire is how the word is defined. But usually when we see this word, it means to suffer, to experience being alive with all of its passions and and calamities, the human experience. But let's look at these four words that the Hebrew writer focuses on. So the first one is this, apathy. And we see it in Hebrews three, verse six to 19, that the the Hebrew people heard the word of God, but they disobeyed God. They went against God. They, They were not filled with belief. The Greek word for disobedience is, is, it's quite tough, but it says it's this, it's apatheo. And this translates to the word apathy. that means the opposite of pathos. It's the opposite of passion. It's the opposite of the passion or desire that one would feel. There was this Hebrew prophet who had this apathy, this apatheo, who chose to disobey God. As a prophet, you usually would represent God, knowing God, and knowing all of his capabilities, this prophet chose to go against him. And this prophet is Jonah. See, Jonah was a prophet of God, representing God, showing this apathy, knowing all about God and all that God could do, disobeying the Lord. See, Jonah was called by God to go to the city of Nineveh to share, the, to share a message from God. But Jonah in his disobedience, in his apathy, chose to go the opposite direction. See, Nineveh is around here and Jonah chose to go to Taurus, which is around here. Jonah made the, made the decision to go against God. So the backstory between the city of Nineveh and the Hebrews is that they had a major fallout. They did not like each other. So for Jonah to go and represent God in that space was something he was not looking too forward to. But then Jonah gets on a boat Gets, to, gets on a boat and says, I'm going to Taurus. I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going in the direction of apathy. I'm going to disobey. And he hops on this boat and God sends a great wind, which causes the boat to start to shake and move with the ocean and wreck. And the salesman and the captain are, they're all losing their minds. And they ask Jonah, how could you, how could you rest in a time like this? They found Jonah at the bottom bunk and they ask him, how could you sleep at a time like this? Call to your God and maybe he might save us. Jonah gets up and the captain asks him, so who are you? And he says, I, I am Jonah, a prophet of the Lord, a prophet of the Lord of the sea and land. And the prophet, the, the captain asks him, are you insane? Are you crazy? Why would you? Go and disobey God, the glory of the sea and the land on a boat of all places. (laughs) Why would you run away from God of the ocean on a boat? On my boat? (laughs) Why would you do that? And I mean, the captain had all rights to ask him this question. Why disobey, why run away? But Jonah saying who he was, stating who God is in his life, makes us ask the captain, Throw me over, throw me over the boat, throw me into the ocean, release me to my God. See, Jonah was a prophet who knew who God was, what God could do. And at that, moment, the, the, at that moment, when he tells the sailors to throw him overboard, he's saying, I'm no longer choosing my apathy. I'm no longer choosing the opposite passion. Throw me overboard, throw me to God. In many ways, we're the same. When we face times of hardship or times of difficulty, we don't necessarily choose to run to God. We choose to run to Taurus. We choose to run to whatever it may be. We choose the boat. For some of us, the boat could be relationships, drinking, friends, anywhere else. But luckily, no matter how far we run or how before we run away, we can always count on God's relentless pursuit over us. So we all know how the story goes. Jonah falls off the boat and all of a sudden he finds himself in the bottom of the ocean in a fish, <laughs> not only feeling far from God, but feeling far from everything else, far from everyone else. See, Jonah begins to tap into the pathos of God. Jonah begins to pray and his words are, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From, the deep in the, oh, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called call for help and you listened to my cry. See, Jonah becomes aware of God's pathos. Jonah puts aside his own pathos, his apathy and taps into God's pathos. So I know what you're probably wondering, why are we talking about the book of Jonah in the book of Hebrews? Well, it's because the Hebrew writer reminds the Hebrew people of this reality that we can all tap into God's pathos. That even though we have this deep rooted desire to run, God has a greater capacity to pursue. You see, God meets Jonah at the bottom of this dark, deep chasm. And this chasm can often represent how far we feel from God. You see, since our hearts were far from God, God came to us, manifested in the person of Jesus Christ, to bridge the gap between God and man and man and God, between heaven and earth, that we could have relationship with God. See in the Hebrew, the Hebrew writer puts it so well when he says in Hebrews 2 verse 17 to 18, he says, therefore he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become merciful and faithful as a high priest in matters, of pre, uh, matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself had suffered, he was tempted, he was able to help those who are tempted. Jesus closed the gap, he filled the chasm, he became like us, he took our suffering He took on our pathos, took on our life human experience, the full human experience with all the passions and emotions and all the calamities that come with it. Jesus put that onto Himself, His pathos. You see in Hebrews 5 verse 2, it says, He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and those who are going astray since He Himself was subject to weakness. He knows exactly how it feels to be abandoned, betrayed, rejected, to want the boat, to want out, to want to run. He didn't only come on earth to die for our sins. He came to carry every single burden that we go through. See, there's, oh, sorry. See, there's nothing that you could go through that Jesus didn't go through with you for you. In Isaiah 53, verse three to five, it says, he despised, he was despised, rejected, a man of sorrow, acquainted with the deepest grief. (laughs) We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed on him. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. To put in short, Jesus understands. Jesus became man going through our iniquities, going through our suffering. He, He understands how you feel. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize for our lack of strength, but one having been tested in all things in the same way, but without sin. And that word that word in that, in that Hebrews verse, sympathize, it means to be affected in the same way, in the same affection, to share the same pathos, the same human experience, the suffering, the pain of someone else. You see, it was God's pathos, His passion, that moved towards us, our suffering, our pain. God sympathized with us, sharing in our suffering, meeting us in the depth of our chasm, meeting us on the cross, bridging these two worlds, bringing the relationship between God and man, bringing it closer, being sympathizing with us. See... We now have full access because of what Jesus has done, because Jesus has bridged that gap. We have full access to the hearts of the Father. Another translation for the word pathos means pulse, the heartbeat. You see, we now have in Christ, the Father's heartbeat. We share in His beat. You see, He takes up our pathos. He carries our pain, my pain, your pain our sin and my entire life, our entire lives. In Philippians 2 verse 13, it says, for it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. This means that it is God who works in our hearts. This means that it is him who shapes us, who changes us with his pathos, his passion, his desires, his ungovernable desires, that we can engage with him at that level that we share His heartbeat. I have, before we leave, I wanna ask you guys two questions that you can maybe work with is this, where in your life is your pathos still your own? Where might you be suffering by yourself? Where where do you need to hand over and swap pathos? Where do you need to sympathize with God? And secondly, where do you wanna see God's heartbeat in your environment? Where do you wanna see His passions transforming your space? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for reaching to us, for coming to us, that we can rely on your passion to relentlessly pursue us, that it is your faith in us that is never wavering, that we can lean on. God, we pray that our hearts beat as one with yours, that your passions, your desires, your, your will come forth, your will be done in the spaces you have placed us in. And Lord, that you remind us of your compassion, that you not, you not only know what we're going through, but you feel what we're going through with us. God, we wanna thank you for reaching out and pulling us out and telling us to go. In your heavenly name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.